Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk About Education podcast. I am your host, Angela Lang, and I am the owner of the Lang Learning Center here in Iowa, and I provide services in educational tutoring and student advocacy. I am so thankful that you are here today where we can have open and honest conversations about changes that need to be made for all learners. So I welcome you to the Let's Talk About Education podcast. And if there are ever any questions, always reach out to me through email at langlearningcenter at gmail.com. And I welcome you to the Let's Talk About Education podcast. Welcome back to the Let's Talk About Education podcast. Today we are going to dive into dyslexia. Um, I have grown up with so many teachers in my life and many stories in my family of family members who have the gift of dyslexia. And I do call it a gift because there are so many amazing strengths and talents that come with this um, awareness of how you learn and how you process language. So, But I think for many people, um, it is not a blessing in their life. They find the struggle and there is a lot of anxiety and depression when it comes to struggling, especially with learning. And like I've said in past podcasts, we have our students spend 14 years in education. And as you can imagine, if you're spending 14 years in something that is Um, a major struggle. No one knows how to help you in education. We are just starting to have these important conversations about structured literacy and how we can build our literacy programs to have structured literacy and to provide training for teachers. So I think for so many people for so many decades have struggled with learning and we have cast them off of not trying. We have cast them off of not wanting to do well when we now know that they have a language-based learning disability. And so we now know better. And so now that we know better, we must do better for the one in five students with dyslexia. So today I'm going to go through some important facts about dyslexia so that you can now start to become aware of what your classroom's needs needs of your students are and what your family needs in order to advocate if you have a child who are showing signs of dyslexia. So I welcome you again to the Let's Talk About Education podcast and let's get started. So as I prepared for today's podcast, I frequently went to two websites that had an enormous amount of information and guidance in what dyslexia is, um, how common dyslexia is, um, who, what people in our society have had dyslexia and continue to have dyslexia. And again, it's not something that goes away. There isn't a cure for it. There is, of course, remediation to help um, people with dyslexia process language, but it is never cured. Um, so I want you to know that there are ways to help our brains process and learn language that is very specific to people who have dyslexia. So um, the two websites that I went to quite frequently were understood.org. It is a great advocacy website with tons of information for educators and parents. And again, that website is understood.org. The second one, um, one of the books that I give quite frequently to families or teachers who ask for that, and I think every teacher needs to read this book, 
is from Dr. Sally Shaywitz of Yale University. It is called Overcoming Dyslexia. And she um, is at the at Yale University, and she has a website called the Yale Center for Dyslexia and Creativity. And the website is dyslexia.yale.edu. So if you um, venture to these websites, you will not be disappointed with the amount of information that is shared and that you have access to. So I highly encourage you to go to these websites. So again, I'm going to explain to you the definition of what is dyslexia. So dyslexia is an unexpected difficulty in reading for an individual who has the intelligence to be a much better reader. It is mostly it is most commonly due to, to a difficulty in phonological processing, the appreciation of the individual sounds of spoken language, which this affects the ability of an individual to speak, read, spell, and often learn even a second language. So again, how common is dyslexia? Dyslexia affects 20% of the population and represents 80 to 90% of all those le- with learning disabilities. I'm going to read that again. 80 to 90% of children who have a learning disability have dyslexia. So those specialized teachers or their service providers or your reading specialists in your school districts, they need to know and have training in how do we help students with dyslexia. It is the most common of all neurocognitive disorders. And a lot of times I get um, questions about, is dyslexia real? Is it really a thing? And it is a learning difference that makes reading and writing difficult, and sometimes math, because that is language as well. It often runs in family. So there's a genetic tie to dyslexia and how our brains learn. And that's kind of an easy given. If you have a parent or a grandparent who struggled with language, odds are you're going to have children who will also struggle with language. But along with that, there are so many strengths that these um, people with dyslexia have, and we'll get into Quite frequently, I hear in meetings or advocacy meetings that I attend is that we don't have students with dyslexia within our school district. And I really hope that um, label or that thought that we do not have students with dyslexia in our school really does stop because, again, like I said we have one in five, according to the Overcoming Dyslexia um, book, one in five people in our uh, world, in our country, have dyslexia. So you most certainly have had a student or many students who have had a language processing difficulty, which is dyslexia. So we really need to become aware of that label and aware of what that term dyslexia means. And like I said, it is a very common um, educational need that we need to start addressing in our teacher training and within our school districts and anybody that is teaching reading, Title I teachers, your reading specialists, administrators need to know what all about dyslexia, and our core teachers really all need to have that awareness of how do I teach children with a language processing difficulty and how do I um, plan my classroom activities to be structured and to help the one in five students who have a language 
processing need. So the other question I hear or comment I hear quite frequently from parents and educators is how do we cure dyslexia? And what I think it's important to know um, that dyslexia cannot be cured. It can be remediated and it can um, have strategies to help us process language, but there is not a cure for dyslexia. So it is a part of the makeup of who you are as a human. It is a part of how your brain processes the world and language. And so there is not a cure for dyslexia, but dyslexia, it is lifelong, but with early screening, early diagnosis, early evidence-based reading interventions and appropriate accommodations, anyone with dyslexia can become highly successful students and adults. So, and later on I will, um, in later podcasts, we'll go over what accommodations help students with um, dyslexia and why we need to kind of get away from, oh, they're cheating or listening to a book is not reading. And, and like I said, we'll, I'll get into all those um, great details of what great accommodations do help students with the dyslexia, but um, accommodations will help them become successful students and adults in um, understanding language. Along with frequent, frequently being asked if dyslexia is cured, I do frequently hear a lot of myths that are untrue about dyslexia. And one is that it's a vision problem. Um, the other one is that it's a lazy laziness problem, that students really aren't trying hard enough and they don't want to try. Um, if they just really worked harder at learning how to read and write, they would get it. The other thing that I hear frequently is it is it just students who are seeing their letters in a different way, like B's and D's getting reversed. That is a piece of what dyslexia is, but it's not what it completely is. And so in this next part of the podcast, I'm going to go through some myths um, that I have found through an, a great understood.org article. And myth number one, like I said, reading and writing letters backwards is the main sign of dyslexia. And this is not true. So the fact is some kids with dyslexia write letters backwards and some don't. So letter reversal isn't necessarily a tell-all sign of whether your child has dyslexia. In fact, um, children commonly, all children commonly um, reverse letters, and it's not unusual to see them confuse, especially these letters of B and D and P and Q. They're all so similar. If you just turn those letters in a certain way, it changes the what the letter is, the sound that the letter is. But if your child is still having reversals by the end of first grade, this may be a sign that you might want to look into um, what is going on with how they're processing our code to our language. The second um, myth that they have on this really great article from Understood is dyslexia doesn't show up until later elementary. And I think this is usually we do wait until later elementary, but there are some significant signs early, early on in preschool that we can start to become aware of that there are signs of dyslexia and a language-based processing difficulty. So um, become aware of what those signs are, know what interventions and what structures we need to have in place in, within our literacy um, instruction that can help 
students who have those early signs of dyslexia can really help them build strategies and understanding of how our language. The next myth is that if children just tried hard enough, they would learn how to read. Um, research shows that our that brains function very differently, and we need to, as educators and family members who have children who are all unique to what they are um, really great at and what they are uh, maybe lack some certain skills in, but we as educators and family members need to understand that all brains function in a different way. And that is the same with students with dyslexia. It also shows that reading can actually change the way our brain functions over time. And again, reading isn't some, something that our brain was naturally meant to be able to do. It is a man-invented skill that our brains need to have um, instruction that is multi-sensory. We have to see it. We have to hear it. We have to feel the language and manipulate the language in order for our brains to understand it. So there are many, many reading programs for struggling readers that use this multi-sensory approach. The next myth is that dyslexia is a vision problem. A lot of times I will hear families or um, educators say maybe they need to go get their eyes checked because they're not understanding how to read. And and yes, you always should go see your um, eye doctor if you do see signs of uh, vision problems, but dyslexia does not have um, signs or is the cause of dyslexia. Kids with dyslexia are no more likely to have eye or vision problems than any other kids. Um, it is true that there is a visual perception and processing needs, but this has nothing to do of what they can see. Um, so what this means is that they have trouble recognizing details and images and processing um, what their eyes are seeing. And a lot of times you'll hear they'll have some struggles with word retrieval. So then you kind of think, oh, are they seeing that right? Are they processing that right? And it has nothing to do with their vision, but how they're they are visually processing information in front of them. The other thing is dyslexia is caused by not reading enough at home. I think I hear this from many parents that they are always told if you just read more to your child at home, they would start to read better. And I think so many parents, the joy and the happiness that comes to reading a story to your child should not make you feel guilty um, that you have caused something to go wrong with how your child learns. And so reading at home and being exposed to reading is important for all kids but dyslexia doesn't happen because of a lack of exposure to our language. It is how our brain is um, functions, how our brain processes language that has nothing to do with families reading to their child. So I thank you all for joining me today on the Let's Talk About Education podcast. We went over a lot of myths and facts about what dyslexia is. And again, dyslexia is an unexpected difficulty in reading for individuals who have the intelligence to be a much better reader. It is most commonly due to a difficulty in phonological processing. It's the appreciation of the sounds of a spoken language and with this um, processing need, it affects how they speak, it affects how they read, spell, and often learn um, their native language. And so I want to talk about real quickly before we wrap up that ways that you can help 
um, your student if you do see signs of dyslexia is that you need step-by-step -step instructions on the basics of reading, which each concept needs to be mastered before moving on. There are different ways for people to show what they know, like speaking rather than doing a written report. There is also technology like audiobooks and text-to-speech that level the playing field for students who are struggling with language. So in my next podcast, we're going to go through about how do we structure our classrooms and our instruction to be dyslexia friendly. And so this will go through our instructional routines. This will go through our accommodations that we can provide for students and how we can build a dyslexia friendly classroom where learning is um, help students help students with dyslexia thrive and build on their strengths and also start to process that language in a much more efficient and accurate way. So thank you again for listening to the Let's Talk About Education podcast. I am Angela Lang, your host, and always feel free to reach out and email me with any feedback. My email is langlearningcenter at gmail.com and have a great day.